You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh all week long. Those balls have gotten you in trouble, though. Oh, you yeah. They picked us because we're horny. Yeah. Right. And that's your chronic state. 24-7. <laughs> My life has changed so much that it's almost like a completely different life. From the latest news on The Real Housewives. I'm so happy to be here and engage with you. Deep dives into celebrity legal scandals and unfiltered convos with your favorite stars. I've got you covered. And yes, I always keep receipts. Welcome on in. Welcome on in. Welcome on in. I hope everybody is having a great Tuesday night. We are recording this live at a Tuesday um, or on a Tuesday. Um, thank you guys so much for for the love and for the support. Um, I really, really appreciate it. You know, our family's doing okay. And we're we're tough and we're strong and I'm gonna see them tomorrow. I'm going to my mom's house. So yeah, thank you for the love. We're on appeal for legal reasons. Yes, we are. Or what? Or what? Um, but yes, we're gonna be breaking down. Uh no, I was not on the flight, but I read the story. Yes. Um, but yes, so let me know where you're watching in from. We will be breaking down part three of the Prince Harry book. This is where we get into the the love story with Megan and Harry and then all the beef between Megan and um, what's her name, Kate, and then Prince William and Prince Harry. We'll be getting into all of that tonight. So hopefully you have a little wine. Hopefully you're having a good time. Missing your face. Glad you and your family are back safe. Yes, we are back. We are safe. We are home. We have each other. We had a very, very fun and eventful time in Mexico. I just posted a little video with with pictures and videos from our trip, so you can check that out on my uh, Instagram page at Just Plain Zach. Uh, thank you for that. You made my night. Let's dig into the book now. Yes, let's dive into it. We have uh, we have Maine from Portland, Maine. What's going on, girl? What's going on, everybody? Watching from Maryland. Hey, Jesse with the purple hair with. Popcorn and sparkling water. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, thank you. Yes, I did get my hair done. I have to actually get it a little touched up and fixed um, later this week. But you got the sack. We're holding up. Yes, thank you. And I love you guys. And I appreciate you. And you've sent so many, so many sweet messages and so many sweet comments. Um, and you guys are not here for that. You're here to dive into Prince Harry. So why don't we dive right in? If you've been reading it, let me know if you've finished it. We are now into part three. And again, this is the whole love story and then the breakup from the royal family and all the things that Harry is claiming about what went down behind palace, behind closed palace doors. <sighs> okay, so Harry says that he saw a video of a woman with a Snapchat dog filter and that he just couldn't stop watching it. He was mesmerized by the Snapchat dog filter. I mean, if we only knew that this is what we had to do was to use the Snapchat dog filter on all social media apps or not on all social media apps, on all dating apps, then like, I mean, we would all end up with a hot hunky prince from the UK, right? He said he'd never seen someone so beautiful. And this beautiful person that he'd never seen before in his entire life just happened to be this woman by the name of Meghan Markle, the famous actress from the world-famous television series Suits. So he said that he studied her Instagram account. 
which we all do, right? We all study people's Instagram accounts. If I find someone and I, you know, that's what I'm going to say. When I'm I'm Insta-stalking, I'm going to say I was studying them. I was doing market research, something I guess Megan should have done when she was dating Harry, right? But she's like, I have no idea who he was. Who is Prince Harry? Is that Carrot Top? What? You're a prince? You know the queen? What? So he says that his friend Violet connected them and they immediately hit it off and he invited over he invited her over to his place for a first date and she's like um excuse me no way Jose I am not that kind of girl I'm the kind of girl that's going to meet you at Soho House in London and of course she would go to Soho House like Soho House is an exclusive members only club they have them all the all around the world, but it's basically where like big stars and celebrities go because they don't want to be seen, they don't want to be photo, they don't want to be photographed, and like there are no photos allowed, and you can't use your camera phones in there, and you can't use your phones in there, and you have to like apply to get in, and like many celebrities have applied in the past, and they weren't like exclusive or elite enough, so they weren't. Uh, they weren't allowed in. I think like Kim Kardashian for the longest time was like rejected. I believe she's in Soho House now. I may be wrong, um, but I know for like the longest time they didn't allow Kim Kardashian in. So it is a very elite, exclusive sort of club, you know, like the Illuminati. I'm pretty sure there's a rumor out there that like, the Soho House is connected with the Illuminati, which is probably not true. Um, Wasn't she living with the chef then? Yes, she was living with Chef Corey Vitello, who was her boyfriend at the time, her live-in boyfriend, and they were technically together, even though they completely omit that from all of the stories that they put out there. So now here they were at the exclusive Soho house and the one out in London where Meghan Markle frequently or she frequented, apparently. And, you know, they were like family to her. She was a Jane of all trades, an actress, a model, a traveler, a travel and lifestyle writer. She was the whole package and Harry was hooked. So he was like, I'm going on a trip to Botswana. Do you want to go to Botswana with me? And she was like, um... I don't know about that. He said it was like a, um, it was so new to her, this relationship, or I guess so new to both of them. And so it was kind of weird that he was like, do you want to just come with me to Africa and let's go to Botswana and let's live in a tent? And she was like, you know what? This is kind of crazy, but he's a prince and I'm on this eat, pray, love journey right now. And so, you know what? My eat, pray, love journey says that I need to open myself up to a week full of magic. And so this was going to be her week full of magic. And she's like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lean into this. I'm going to go to Botswana and live in a tent with you and me and the lions all around us. And I'm just like, shit, if somebody's like, I don't know if I would do that. Like, would you actually go? Like, if a guy's like, hey, I know I got money and I know I'm like world mega famous. I want to take you to stay in a tent with me in Africa. Like, would you be down? Yeah, her single summer. Exactly. This was her eat, pray, love single summer, even though she had a boyfriend. But I mean, listen, you can still have a single summer when you have a boyfriend. Husbands of Real Housewives do it all the time. Look at Lenny Hochstein. So on her single summer, she decided to have this week of magic. She took a chance. They stayed together in the tent in Botswana. And Harry was like, listen, she is not a diva at all. I know she may be an American actress and she may look like a diva and everybody says that she's a diva. But I can tell you in a tent in Botswana, she was not a diva. She wore cutoff jeans and she didn't like to wear makeup and she is not a diva. Who do you guys think she is? Mariah Carey? No way. 
He said that he kept her safe from all the lions and they just vacationed together in paradise. He said that he and Megan had a major connection and that they became inseparable, which basically means he was pussy whipped. Because, like, he doesn't say that they slept together immediately, but, like, I'm pretty sure. Like, listen, if you had a chance, if I had a chance to go on a date with the prince, I'm banging him on the first night. Like, period, end of story. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to give him uh, give him a chance to ghost me after date number two. I'm banging on the first night. If I'm going to be spending a tent, going to be spending time with him in a tent in Botswana, we hid in it all day, every day, because at some point I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to do a special Zach Pack members only on the YouTube and be like, yo, the dick was like this. It was some Royal D baby. Hi from Miami. Too much wine here. Yes. Red Sox here. Get that wine. Let's get it. Get it. Get it. And and throw them hips, girl. Bump, 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 bump. Okay. Um, guys, my family is okay. Everyone's good. Please don't ask because I don't want to think about it right now. I just want to get through our life. Um, but just know everybody is is good and safe. And I appreciate all the love that you guys have sent us. Um, God save the peen. God save the royal peen, Val. The royal peen. Um, okay. So let's see. He he says that she was just a simple, normal girl. He said that it was hard at first because of all the security detail that Harry had around him. So Megan would have to like scurry around and travel to meet him discreetly and work around his royal rules. But their connection in the tent in Botswana was just too good. And like that was the ultimate test for them. And they passed it. So she was willing to do whatever because she was that hooked too. She wanted it too. That's because her previous boyfriend wasn't a prince. I mean, that's a good point. You have a guy that's a chef and you have a guy that's a prince. Which one are you going to choose at that point? So she was willing to do whatever just to please him because, you know, he got that good royal date. That frostbitten pee, Muddy Grace. Yes, it is a frostbitten pee. Well, I guess it's now a fully recovered frostbitten pee. So maybe it gets like stronger because it's no longer frostbitten and it's like had had to come back. You know, but Willie and Kate were the first two to know about it. And they freaked out because they loved suits and they were super thrilled about it. They're like, oh, my God, that girl on suits, you're dating her. You're dating Rachel. No way. We need an autograph. And Harry felt like he could finally, you know, they could finally now become the foursome that he had always dreamed of, which was kind of weird because he had just started dating her. And this is the first time he's telling his brother and his brother's wife about her. So that's kind of weird that he was immediately thinking like, yeah, we're going to be that foursome that like that, that dream, that dream team quad, you know, but Willie warned him like tread lightly. She's American. These American girls can't always be trusted. Just take your time. Really get to know each other. See where it goes. And then Megan had to meet the queen. And Harry, it was very unexpected. And Harry asked her, he's like, do you know how to curtsy? And she was like, curtsy? What are you talking about? I'm just meeting your grandma. It's your grandma. And Harry's like, no, it's not just my grandma. It's the queen. And she's like... Okay, but, like, obviously, if your brother and your sister dig me because Suits is, like, super popular in the UK, like, the queen must love me, right? And he was like, just, like, please be on your best behavior. And so he gave her the full 101 on how to meet the queen. At first, you you refer to her as your majesty. And then after that, you only call her ma'am. 
because it rhymes with ham. And he's, he writes that in the book, ma'am like ham, because, you know, he says, I guess we don't have, I guess we don't, we don't have manners in the U.S., so we don't call people ma'am. So he needed to explain to her how to use the term ma'am that sounded like ham, like green eggs and ham, Sam I am. So Harry says that the queen liked Meghan and he loved that she was in Canada and not in America, even though she was American because the Can- the Canadians are still the Commonwealth. And so she liked that. She's like, yes, this is a good one. I like her. And everyone complimented Meghan on her curtsy, even though in the Netflix documentary, she was like, oh my God, it was so dramatic. So that everyone thought that it was great and they loved her for it. And afterwards, Meghan referenced the queen's assistant. And she's like, oh my God, that the guy that was holding her purse. And Harry's like, no, 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 no. That was not the queen's assistant. That was Prince Andrew, which to me was kind of an eye roll moment because Meghan obviously knew who Prince Andrew was. Like, I know she's trying to pretend like, I don't know who Prince Harry is. And I don't know what, there's a queen in England. Say what? So, like, to me, this was just kind of dumb because they obviously, like, wanted to distance distance themselves from Prince Andrew and the controversy surrounding him, so they needed to take a dig at him. And I'm just like, really? You really expect me to believe that Meghan Markle believed that Prince Andrew was the Queen's assistant? Like, to me, that just doesn't check out in any world. But he said that he was more worried about Meghan meeting Willie because... um. I guess Willie was very protective of his brother and obviously like warned him about moving too fast with Megan, but ultimately it went very well. And Willie liked her and Kate liked her and I believe Megan cooked them dinner and they didn't completely fangirl out because, you know, Suits is just this mega big popular show in the UK. And oh my God, they're the biggest Meghan Markle fans because they watch her on La Televisión. So then... Megan has to meet Pa and Camilla. And that also went well. And then Harry remembers watching some of Meghan Markle's sex scenes on Suits, which he now says that he regrets very much because it was just way too awkward and he can't get those images out of his head. And like, that was just crazy. And then the night before news of their relationship broke, they're like, all right, this is our last chance to just live it up. We're going to live it up. Our final night of anonymity The family knows about us. People are starting to spread word. And so this is finally going to come out and it's going to be fine. And we're going to live life together. And he said that when the news broke, he was shocked by the blatant racism that just came flooding in, like just in waves of racism just came. Right. He references the headline and the headline reads, Harry's girl is almost straight out of Compton gang scarred home of her mother revealed. So will he be dropping by for tea? However, he claims that it's the U.S. or sorry, not the U.S., the U.K. and the Brits that are putting out all of the, these floods of just blatant racism, right? But yet this specific headline that he references in the book, which they also reference in the Netflix documentary, I don't remember if it was referenced in the Oprah interview, but it's it's been referenced more than once, almost straight out of Compton, which sounds really bad, and I'm not I'm not condoning the title title at all. But they use this to justify how the British media was relentless. However, they've consistently failed to mention that this specific out of Compton article was not from the British media. It was actually from Los Angeles, and the article is about how Meghan's mom lives in. Crenshaw so I mean they're exploiting the fact that like Doria lives in Crenshaw yes but I'm not sure why Megan would immediately take that like as a dig you know if 
that's like where she's from and that's part of where she grew up when she wasn't with her father. She was with her mother and her mother lives in Crenshaw. Listen, I'm from Lincoln Heights, which is technically East L.A., that's where I grew up. It's not the nicest part of L.A. So if somebody like wrote an article and they're like, Zach Peters from the gang-ridden streets of East L.A. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't immediately love that association because of the way that it's often described as, you know, gang-ridden. But like at the end of the day, that's where I'm from. I'm from East L.A. I'm from Lincoln Heights. That's where I grew up. That's where I went to school. Like, you know, it just it is what it is. Um So, I mean, I don't know. I just think it's weird how this is like how they justify that the Brits were so terrible to them. And then in the Netflix documentary, they're like, look, the Brits have this history of being racist. And I'm like, but wait a minute. This journalist lives in Los Angeles. This was a Los Angeles based reporter. Yes, it was technically published on the Daily Mail, but the Daily Mail does have international divisions, just like the National Enquirer does. So it was just interesting. And the article, listen, is it a little tactless? Yes, the article itself is is not, you know, is not the best. And for me, it's like at some point you just have to like learn to embrace your past rather than run from your past. But again, that's just me. The article itself, not the most tactful article, that's for sure. But again, it's an L.A.-based journalist. And the interesting part is they say that they left the U.K. because of all of the race, the, the waves of racist coverage, yet they moved to L.A. for more favorable coverage and to get away from the paparazzi, yet this specific article was written in Los Angeles by a Los Angeles-based journalist in the city where there's floods of paparazzi everywhere. So to me, it just, it doesn't check out. Then there's another article, and this one's based in the UK. And this article reads, Harry to marry into gangster royalty? New love from crime-ridden neighborhood. Harry's hottie Meghan Markle comes from one of the city's roughest suburbs, famed for its gangland wars. And the royal's possible future mother-in-law still lives in Crenshaw, surrounded by bloodbath robberies and drug-induced violence. With ancestors freed from slavery, the American sweetheart's upbringing could be form for, could form the perfect rags-to-riches story. I mean... This one I feel like is a bit, this one's a lot worse, yes. But it's also a bit of a double-edged sword because, like, they refer to her as, like, Harry's hottie and she's America's sweetheart and this is the perfect rags-to-riches story. I mean, again, tactless, completely tactless and a little tone-deaf, if you ask me. Um, You know, gangster royalty, I think, is not a very, is a, a totally unfair connection. Nothing about Megan or her parents, from what I have seen, connects her to gangs or immediately connects them to, like, a gangster tone. So that does feel a bit racially motivated, and it does feel a bit stereotypical, and we're kind of, you know, working in the classism because we're making it seem like Crenshaw is, you know, this rough gang gangland, right? Um So I don't love that, right? So I think that there are cases to be made. And yeah, you can look at this as a racially motivated article for sure. But these are very few and specific articles in comparison to all of the articles that were actually embracing Meghan and Harry. And I just love how they either completely omit the positive embracing articles that were written about them, or they only admit those when it fits the narrative that they're trying to sell. And the narrative continues to shift for me, and that's where there's a disconnect. So um, he also takes issue with the papers coming for the fact that Megan was a divorcee. 
Yet he also mentions that his father and Princess Anne are divorcees, all of which has been referenced in the media. So it's like he paints this picture that this type of awful treatment is unique to Meghan when it seems like they've all kind of gone through it at some point. You know, like if his father and Camilla and Princess Anne have all kind of taken heat for the divorcee thing, then that's not unique to Meghan. And that's not, you can't be like, look at the press is so mean to Meghan because she's divorced. When other members of the royal family have also taken that exact same heat for being divorced. He says that he wanted to sue the papers over their coverage of Meghan. And the lawyer said that the lawsuits are what papers want, basically, because they can exploit it and then they can make even more money off of it. So yeah, they want you to sue them. That's why they push it as far as they absolutely can. Also, because it's really hard when you're a public figure to sue a tabloid. So most of the time, they're going to end up winning. And if they don't end up winning, they still get to profit off of it and make a ton of money off of the coverage of the lawsuits. Now, it does make sense why the palace wouldn't be so keen to put themselves in the line of fire with the press to defend Meghan. Because, again, we we leave out the context when we're telling these stories. And the context is, at this point in time, Meghan was only party boy Prince Harry's new American actress girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like, William told, had just told him to take things slow because he was diving head over heels for this girl. And it's like, she was his new girlfriend at the time. It's different if, like, here we are. Like, let's say Megan was quiet all this time and she's just, you know, let's consider alternate reality 2023. She's still in the royal family. They're all still living in, in the UK, right? And it's just been nonstop, relentless. They're not doing interviews and they're playing ball and blah, 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 blah. Okay, cool. At that point, I'd be like, okay, yeah, it's pretty relentless. And you guys are not bringing this upon yourself. You're trying to keep your head down. You're trying to stay quiet. You're not trying to attract any additional attention to yourself. And yeah, at this point, maybe you do, you know, make a statement or do something to kind of put your foot down. But in this case, I just... They've literally been dating for, I think, like less than a year at this point. And you want the palace to use their resources, you know, when they could use those resources to protect other senior members of the royal family. But instead, you want them to use those resources and that arm power on your American girlfriend that you've only been dating for a few months. Like, again, the context is just what's left out and and almost kind of like the arrogance of like the expectation. So... All right, guys, I want to take a quick break to show some love to my pals at Chumps. The start of a new year always comes with new goals, right? Well, one of the habits that I love to work in daily is eating more healthy protein. It keeps me satiated, it keeps me satisfied, and it keeps me sane. That's why I love some Chumps protein sticks. Mm. They come packed with mouthwatering flavor and real nutrition in a size for everyone. They're gluten-free, certified paleo, and keto with zero sugar. Plus, they pack 9 to 10 grams of protein and only 90 calories. Like, you can't beat it, okay? Their original and sea salt beef are delicious, but I have to say, their jalapeno beef is my absolute favorite. I like a little kick. I like a little zing in my protein. I like to pack them as a snack during those long work days, as a nice little post-workout treat, or to help cut those late-night cravings. They're great for taking with you on the go, so I suggest you go and get some right now. 
If you want, give them a try at chomps.com. Use code Zach20 for 20% off your order at chomps.com. That's code Zach, Z-A-C-K, 20 for 20% off. Head over to chomps.com, C-H-O-M-P-S.com right now. Yeah. Um, and then he talks about Pa and Willie and how they weren't happy about that because, um, oh, they weren't happy about the fact that he put a statement out condemning the press for being racist. And Pa and Willie were like, hold on, like, this is this is a lot. You're going a little rogue. Um, we never put out statements when our girlfriends were being harassed and our girlfriends were going through the mud. And their fear was that this would just add more oil to the fire. And this would just add more ammunition to the heat that was already coming on them. And they're like, listen, you don't continue to to fight with the press because all that's going to do is continue to exacerbate this and continue to get more press and attention on you, which seems to be what you don't want to achieve. You say you don't want the press focus on you, but yet here you are taking shots at them and you really think that's going to make them back down? I don't think so. So visiting Harry, Megan tried to go shopping at Whole Foods one time, and she says that's where people tried to take pictures of her, and they were following her, and they were harassing her with her iPhones. And so Harry's like, I came back one day, and I found her, and she was on the couch, and she was sobbing, and she was inconsolable. He said that she couldn't even articulate what had happened, that men in the, in the Whole Foods had their iPhones out, and they were filming her at the checkout. And the, the staff was like, oh, my God, that's Meghan Markle, Harry's new girlfriend. And this made her inconsolable, and she was sobbing on the couch, and she just, like, couldn't move because she was just, like, sobbing and shaking. But then afterwards, she told him the story, and then she, after she told him the story, she showed him that she had prepared lunch for the two of them. This also confuses me a bit because I'm like, I thought she was just sobbing on the couch inconsolably, and not being able to like fully get the words out about all the people that were filming her with their iPhones at the market. But yet she wasn't inconsolable enough to what, 10, 15 minutes earlier, put together a meal and make them lunch. Like, was she completely inconsolable where she was just like in a fetal position or she, you know, was a little, I don't know. It's just, it was a little weird. He was just describing how flustered and destroyed she was. But yet he's like, but she cooked us this whole lunch and we were going to have lunch together. The paparazzi at this point are now all over Megan and all over Megan's family. And he said that he wasn't sure if the pressure of the paparazzi, if she was going to be able to take it. But shortly after the heat came on them, you know, he started to feel pressure on himself. And so he then snapped at her one night and he details this time when he like lost his temperature, his temper with her. And she told him that he will never, she will never stand for, to be spoken to like that. And he will never speak to her like that. And he will never snap at her again. Who does he think he is? He is only going to speak to her calmly because he needs to have respect. And she's like, I've never witnessed men speaking to women like that. Is this what you faced growing up? Did you witness men snapping at women growing up? And he put his head down and he was like, yes, I do. I remember men speaking to women and snapping at them in a, in a marital scuffle. And she told him that he needed to go to therapy if that was the case. She told him, go to therapy so they can't ever have a fight. They can have a fight. He's just not allowed to engage in the fight. He's not allowed to snap at her. A bit manipulative, no? I mean, it does feel a little bit like, you know, 
I don't know if gaslighting is the right word, but it does kind of feel like, you know, controlling in, in a weird way. And, and a little, um, fuck, what's the word? Uh, co- codependent. It feels a little codependent, right? Because you have to constantly tiptoe around people, your partner, and you have to constantly make sure that you're appeasing their needs over your own needs. So she told him he needed to go to therapy and he went to therapy and apparently the therapy helped him because then his memory started to come to life and then he shares all these endearing memories of him and his mother and all these things that he had blocked out and now all of a sudden he's remembering them again. But then he also shares like strange memories too, like him remembering the paparazzi following him and his mom and Willie in the car And he saw them like following behind and he remembers going to his mom and asking her and he's a child at this point, but he remembers asking her if they're coming after them to kill them, which to me felt a little far fetched. Like, I don't know if there was a level of awareness where you're like, hey, these dudes that are following us, are they trying to kill us, mummy? I feel like there's something that's a little twisted and convoluted. Um, in that because we know how his mother dies. And so it feels like, again, I don't know how memory recollection works. I don't know if there are any experts that work with that type of therapy where we're trying to, to bring back suppressed memories and how much of those suppressed memories are really suppressed memories or new memories that we're creating as well. I think this is, you know, this kind of came up for debate when Whitney Rose was on Real Houses of Salt Lake City this most recent season and she started to remember trauma. And she's like, I don't know what the trauma was. I don't know who the trauma was from but I feel like there's trauma in there and so sometimes I feel like there is a pot I'm not saying that this is Whitney specifically but I'm saying that it, it, it does feel like there are times where we can create memories and I believe there is science to back that that we create memories yeah false memories is totally a thing where we create them rather than remembering them. And I think it is dangerous where we do have certain therapies like this that are are meant to bring back memories are meant to help recall memories that maybe have been suppressed because again I feel like there is a possibility of creating false memories and that's dangerous because a false memory is not based in reality it's based in an alternate reality that's not real unfashionably late as usual good to see you Zach hi Brittany welcome on in girl she wants to be the next Diana I mean they definitely make that parallel so much so I'm late, so I'm still catching up, but it's funny how although she was apparently friends with his daughter, she didn't know who Andrew was. They forgot what crap they already said. Good point, Aussie mom. Again, they uh, they like to completely omit things or restructure and reframe things. Oh, I think somebody has a point. Um, it's called EDMR, a trauma therapy technique that brings up suppressed memories. Yes, and I do believe that that is a thing, and I do believe that people can bring up suppressed memories. My concern, though, becomes what is a suppressed memory versus a false memory, and how do we make that distinction, and how do we, how do we help people make those distinctions as well? My husband thinks the whole royal family is in on this whole drama just to stay relevant. That's interesting. That's a very hot take and a very interesting theory. But anyway, he went to therapy he starts remembering things he discusses you know sharing his concerns about the paparazzi with willie and pa all of whom said that you know this is just what happens to newbies like megan that camilla went through this and kate went through this and it all dies down eventually but they told they told each other that they loved each other 
and Megan told Harry that she'd moved to the UK for him despite all of this. So she chose him and she chose this life and it made him feel safe that she chose him and she chose this life and she wasn't going to let this life scare her away. He said that his father and Camilla became afraid that Megan was stealing the attention away from them and, you know, the love that Megan was getting was taken away from, from Prince Charles and Camilla. But yet, I was like, wait, but weren't you just trying to sell us on this theory that the media was relentlessly mean to Megan? So why would the media being relentlessly mean to Megan threaten Camilla? Like, how does that make sense, right? Because you're saying that Camilla felt threatened by her and she was going to take away all the good press. So then Camilla planted negative stories. Like, is that what you're trying to say? That Camilla planted these awful negative evil stories about Megan to try and diminish the good stories that were coming out about her. But if we have to go down, down that path, then we also have to acknowledge that there were an abundance of good stories. So you're either accusing the, the media of being racist or you're accusing Camilla of, of plotting a takedown on Meghan Markle, right? So... Then Harry decides that he wants Meghan to marry him. And so he had to ask the queen for approval. And the queen gave him his, her approval. And then Meghan decides that she's going to give up Canada. And she's going to give up her lifestyle stite on the TIG. And she's going to give up her acting career. And she's going to leave suits. And she's going to do all of this for Harry. So again, I feel like this guilt that Harry feels is a little... It does feel a little manipulative as well because it's like Megan's choosing to give up her life in Canada. She's choosing to give up the TIG. She's choosing to give up her old life. She's choosing to let go of her acting career. She's choosing to leave suits. So she's choosing to be with Prince Harry and choosing this life that at this point she already realizes is tough. And now she's doubling down and she's going all in. Thank you, Meg, for the super sticker. Look at that. Meg dropping up a, a super sticker. Love it. Um, so she's choosing this life and willingly going into this life. So, but then there's still this guilt that Harry carries about, like, I made this happen. I created this life for her and he feels guilty. And I think it's natural to feel guilt. But I also, I question how much of that guilt is self-induced and how much of that guilt is pressured by the overwhelming you know, feedback that he's getting based off of the reaction that Megan says that she's getting from the media, from the press, from whatever. Again, we don't know what she's like behind closed doors. She comes across entitled. She does come across entitled, for sure. Um, a well-trained clinician can assess if someone is appropriate for EMDR. It's not for everyone or every presenting complaint. Yes. Okay. Um, then after he proposes, they said that they wanted a simple wedding. They just wanted to do something barefoot in Botswana, but they weren't allowed to do that, that they were expected to share all of this publicly. Overall coverage of the wedding was positive and they were very pleased with, with the coverage of the wedding. And there were just lots of like little things, like little details about the flowers and about this or about that. And they're like, oh, it was actually kind of nice that the coverage, you know, was them just like wanting more details on the royal wedding. But one thing that they did not want to allow that they fought very hard for is they did not want to allow press to be present for the royal ceremony. Press could be present outside, but they couldn't be present when the ceremony was actually taking place. And then there was the controversy of Harry, Harry's beard and whether or not he was going to be allowed to have his beard at the wedding. 
And he asked the queen if he could have the beard and keep it for the wedding. And she said yes. She gave him her full approval. But apparently Willie was not happy about that. And he despised Harry for it because he wasn't allowed to have a beard for his wedding. So there was a lot more pressure and responsibility on Prince William versus Prince Harry. And according to Harry, William resented him for it. Then there was Meghan's crown. And that was also drama. That was also royal drama. So a crown was approved by the queen for Meghan that she could wear at her wedding. But when Meghan wanted to borrow the crown and to practice wearing it for the big day, there's apparently a lot of red tape. And it was drama. And he's making it seem like the people around them were constantly just trying to intentionally make things difficult for Meghan and only for Meghan. Which again is kind of weird because it's like earlier we were talking about how everybody embraced Megan and the Queen loved Megan and Camilla loved Megan and Fergie loved Megan and everybody was like Megan is the best thing since sliced bread. And now all of a sudden, everybody just suddenly wants to make things hell for Megan. And again, when did the switch happen? Why are they suddenly just wanting to make things hell for Megan and not embrace her? We're not, it's unclear of like when that switch happens or why that switch happens. We just know everybody loved her. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's plotting against her. Then we get to the stage photo ops with Megan's father. And remember, he denied, oh, no, I wasn't making money off of stage photo ops in Mexico. Like, that's not me. I would never do that. And then the story breaks, and it, we find out that he lied, and he was actually doing that. And then all of a sudden, he suddenly gets a heart attack and then claims he can't make it to the wedding because this is now embarrassing, and there's all the drama, and then there's the fallout between Harry and Meghan and her father, and she writes a letter, and she's like, I want to make things better, and she believed his phone was compromised, and we know that whole story. We've beaten that whole story to death, and they have a falling out with the father. And Harry repeatedly says in the book that, that Thomas Markle is a very complicated man. Then Harry claims that William also became difficult and that he thinks that William was becoming difficult because he wasn't going to be the best man at the wedding and he was hurt by that and he was upset that Harry was allowed to keep his beard when he wasn't allowed to have a beard at his wedding. And then we get into the chilly vibes between Meghan and Kate which were exacerbated by the fallout between William and Harry and it looks like Kate and William were apparently upset, according to Harry in the book. He says that William and Harry were upset that they didn't receive gifts for Easter. And Harry was like, what? I normally don't send gifts for Easter. So then why are they suddenly upset about not getting gifts for Easter? That was a bit weird. Then Harry says, well, if you're upset about not getting gifts for Easter, then I'm upset that you made us move your place cards at our wedding. And it was just like a whole Real Housewives reunion of just airing all of the grievances and putting everything on the table, a tit-for-tat sort of situation. And he says that Kate then said that she was upset because Megan made a comment about her having baby hormones. And she doesn't, and Kate was like, you don't know me like that. Let me take my earrings off, girlfriend. And Megan was like, what are you talking about? I, I made a comment. It wasn't that bad of a comment. And Kate's like, you made me cry. And Megan's like, well, you deserved it. JK, that didn't really happen. But probably in my head it did. So ultimately, things seem to get aired out and glossed over in the end, and we swept it all under the rug and decided we were going to try to move forward. Then Megan gets pregnant, and they want to move out of their current cottage because it's falling apart, and they don't like this current cottage. So then the queen's like, okay, then you can move to Frogsmore. And if you go there, they liked it, but it needed some renovations, which is weird because the last cottage that they were in, they complained needed reserva uh, renovations. So then they're going to move to another cottage, but this other cottage needs re renovations as well. So, like, why didn't you just renovate the old cottage? 
maybe the real reason you didn't want to leave is not just because it needed renovations, because you move into another place that needs renovations. Meghan wore a better tiara than the future Queen of England, Kate. Did she? I don't I don't know what she actually wore. Crystal is actually a little more interesting. Um, okay, so things in the UK were starting to feel like they lived in a fishbowl and Harry was kind of done with it. They wanted to fight back and now they decided that they wanted to sue the press. So instead of going through the palace, they decided to hire their own lawyer and then make a public statement where they were condemning the press and saying that they were going to sue the shit out of them. And he says that this made him feel energized because he was finally able to take a shot back at the press. But Pa and William were not happy about this and they were not supportive of Harry's lawsuit. Harry said nobody protected them and that they had no other choice. And Pa and William were like, you're literally crazy. Like, what are you talking about? What do you want protection from? What do you need protection from? Then he references a series of awful messages about Megan that had been written online. And they're terrible messages, right? But it also still contrasts this evil stepmother narrative about Camilla and how she and the royals hated Meghan because Meghan was stealing all of the good press. So was Meghan getting good press and that's why the royals hated her? Or was this barrage of awful messages and comments online all Meghan was getting and she wasn't getting loved and embraced? Again, there's that conflict. It was the same conflict I pointed out in the documentary. It was the same conflict I pointed out in the Oprah interview. Do they love you or do they hate you? And why do we conveniently shift back and forth? Um, and then he also talks about um, how they left, uh, how I guess he tries to compare Kate and... Um, Kate and Camilla, and he says that it's incomparable and it's a, it's a completely different situation. But to me, it's just weird that like we also just completely gloss over the fact, or not even gloss over the fact, we completely admit the fact that like Kate also received a barrage of negative press stories. Camilla still has a barrage of negative press stories. To this day, he's the one blatantly throwing negative press stories out there about Kate and about Camilla. The book is not nice to Camilla at all. Everything he says about Camilla is terrible. I'm just like, what the hell? Like, what are you talking about? Like, everything you've said about Camilla is truly terrible, and you're writing that yourself in your own words, in your own tell-all book. And he also seems to make it seem like the issues between Kate and Megan, Megan was just completely innocent and had no contribution to it, and it was all Kate. And also, he leaves out that, like, Kate also received her own barrage of negative press and how she was groomed. Like, that was a whole theory in Britain that Kate was groomed to, by her parents to make sure she married Prince William or married a royal. And, like, that was kind of a gross rumor and a gross story, and she had to write that out. He does, he makes more compelling arguments here than I've seen anywhere else. I'll be honest about that when he talks about, you know, how poorly his wife was treated and the headlines that he brings up and the comments that he brings up. It's like, I do get it, but he's so good and they're all so good at leaving out context and they're all so good about laying down convenient narratives that don't give the full story that as good of a story as he's telling and as compelling as the story is in the book, it makes me question it because too many times Peter's cried wolf way too many times. He leaves things out. He completely omits things. And that just to me makes it less trustworthy, you know? 
He says that he and William fell out as a result of Harry going to therapy and him trying to work on himself. And it sounds like Harry was setting some new boundaries and they weren't settling well with William. I think William felt a lot of pressure to be part of this institution, whereas Harry had a lot more freedom to break the rules and to break free. And I think that's pretty common with the oldest child and the baby because the oldest child is always going to have that pressure. They're always going to carry that weight of being the responsible one, of being the one that sets the bar high. And the baby is always going to be able to get away with more, always going to be able to, you know, not have to perform at the same high level. So I feel like that's a natural sibling rivalry. I don't know if you're the middle child or the oldest child or the baby of your family, but I mean, look at your own family dynamic. There are different sets of rules for different siblings, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the spare and the heir. Sometimes it's just the oldest and the youngest. Obviously, being the spare and the heir adds an additional element to it, but you know, it is what it is, you guys. So now Harry and Meghan really wanted a break free, completely free. So they came up with a plan to step back, but they wanted to step back just a little bit, but they still wanted to keep all their perks. They kept asking for Harry to put his plan in writing so that they can have documentation, so that they can track everything. But then details kept leaking in the press, which Harry seems to insinuate was an inside job. And it had to have been like his father or Camilla or Prince William. Like one of them had to have been leaking these things to the press, which I mean is possible. I actually believe that somebody close to them probably was leaking this stuff to the press. Um, Then the in-person meetings that Harry was supposed to have with his family, they kept getting delayed. They kept getting postponed and he was becoming frustrated. He says that they kept working on trying to find a middle ground. And he says that they didn't want to fully abandon their duties, but they just wanted to take a step back. Not fully determined or not fully outlined what that step back was. And he says that he stopped putting these decisions in writing because, you know, he was afraid that they were going to get leaked to the press. So it makes it hard to kind of verify that story. Um, But the palace made the final decision for them. And he says that, you know, he hopes one day his family will look back and reflect on how they should have been there for them and should have been by their side. And so ultimately, they decided to pull their security. They claimed that it was a government decision. And now in the midst of a global pandemic, they were scared of staying in Canada because they no longer had their private security. And it would apparently cost them $6 million per year to hire their own private security. But luckily, Tyler Perry came to the rescue and he got the royal refugees and he saved them. And they sought refuge at his mansion in Beverly Hills. And so they moved into L.A. in his mansion. And they were only there for six weeks until the press found out. And then they're like, oh, my God, we have to relocate. And so he then had to recalculate his finances to see if they could afford a new home and if they could afford full-time security because they had to stop milking off of Tyler Perry. But now he was being royally cut off by his father. And he's like, oh, my God, he's taking all my money away from me. And then by February 2021, they were stripped of everything. And Harry and Meghan fought back, saying that they never planned to leave completely. They just wanted to take a step back. Lean back. Lean back. That's like having a job and then going into your boss and being like, "Mm, so yeah, I don't want to work full time. I only want to work part time and I want to make my own hours, but I still want to make a full time salary. Is that okay? And the boss is like, um, you're crazy. That's not how it works. You either work here or you don't work here. And then it was like, but like, I don't feel like it. And they're like, well, then leave. And that's 
sounds like it's exactly what happened to Harry and Meghan. Don't adults plan their departure ahead of time? Usually, the tea is crazy. I'm so behind. Full pay, full pay though. Yeah, they wanted full pay. Like, it's wild to me. The way in the Netflix series, she said the her whole world crumbled when one person said that she needed to be nice to her dad was like, seriously, you get that shaken up from one, from one comment. But you also forget that she also says that she does not read the comments. She's like, I don't look at social media. I don't read the comments. But yet they often reference these awful comments all the time. So it's like you don't read the comments or you do read the comments because it sounds like you read the comments a little too much. And listen, someone that gets feedback and comments and negative comments, I can tell you that you can get a million good comments, but the one negative comment is the one you're going to fixate on. It's the one you're really going to focus on. You know what I mean? And I get that. And so usually that's the case that you don't pay as much attention to the the positive feedback because the negative feedback is what really gets you. And so I feel like that's what we're really focusing on. And what we put our attention on, it continues to magnify within our lives, right? That was a quote from Harry. So he says that he had to tune it all out and he had to stop reading all of the negative hate that they were getting. He claims that the palace was behind this new strategic attacks on him and Meghan, that they were targeted attacks and it had to have come from the inside. William says that he's delusional and that he's making all of this stuff up. I think it's a little bit of both, right? I think the palace at at this point is definitely not going to back them up. And if a negative story is out there, they're not going to squash it. And if anything, they might be like, well, I'm not saying that that's false. You know, maybe adding a little bump to the stories that's circulating. And I do think that Harry is a bit delusional and he is kind of blinded in his own world. It's very main character energy and like you should absolutely have main character energy in your life. But I just feel like it's a lot more than normal for Harry. And I think he just lived a very privileged life. I don't know if it's necessarily his fault that he's never been exposed beyond that. And he does kind of talk about that in the book too. He's like, well, how did you expect me to know how to run my own finances? How did you expect me to know how to buy things? I've never had to buy things. He's like, I've never even ordered an Amazon package and had it delivered to me directly. How would you expect me to navigate life without the royal family doing everything for me? I didn't even know how to wipe my own butt. He says that he and Megan were at least being transparent about using the media like their Oprah interview to benefit. Whereas he says that all the members of the royal family, they continue to do this secretly. And so he continued to accuse them of running negative press narratives about them. He said that it was time for someone to break free from this royal mess and he was ready to do that. And then the final chapter of part three focuses on the birth of their daughter, Lilibet, which is very sweet. I think these family moments and these warm, endearing moments are where the book really shines and where he really shines as a person because we get to see him as a father and we get to see him talk about the delivery room and being there for his wife. And I think that those are all really sweet. Um, And so he vows to always protect his kids and he loves his children and he's got their backs no matter what. And I think that was really sweet as well. And then the book concludes with the epilogue and the epilogue focuses on the passing of the queen. And he talks about his final moments with his grandmother. And I like how he really doesn't focus on her being the queen, but he just focuses on, he just focuses on her being his grandma, right? She wasn't Queen Elizabeth in that moment. She was his gram. And I liked that. And I think that that was also really heartwarming and endearing. He said that he was angry that he never saw his mother in the end. So this time he was happy that he at least got to see his grandmother in the end. 
and he loved her dearly. And I feel like that really comes across comes across off the pages in the epilogue. And that is the end of Spare by Prince Harry. Dun 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 dun. Spare. The heir and the spare. And Prince Harry is the spare. <sighs> to be fair, if I was Meghan, I would always wear a seatbelt. I mean, yeah. Meghan Markle was teaching Harry how to milk the system, making complaints to HR, filing a paid leave due to mental health. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, end up is on fire tonight, honey. Yes, she is coming in with the jokes tonight okay and that's the end of the book we read the entire book all three parts well part one was like 50 something pages and part two i gave it to my mom and she was reading it when we were in mexico and it looks like she's more than halfway through the book that's how much she's read of it so far i haven't asked her what it's like i have to give her the book back so i was like i need to borrow it for book club and then oh i can give it back to her tomorrow well there we go cheers to that I'm curious, does the UK have the same issue as the US? We have our millennial. That's a good point. I would assume so. Oh my God, I'm manifesting my sister, Mary Ann, because we don't talk anymore. Wow. I miss her. Oh, I'm sorry about that. In their Netflix doc, they said that the palace didn't know that they had moved to Tyler Perry's house, but that someone leaked their location. So who was the leak? That's a good point. Perhaps Megan, Harry is too slow to notice that's a good point if the palace didn't know where they were who would have known i mean tyler perry maybe tyler perry's staff but you're right they do seem to make it seem like the palace is just always out to get them we have our millennial jokes is that a thing in the uk maybe not i feel like the millennial thing is a very u.s american thing um the whole Princess of Wales was just out of uni. And the Princess of Wales was just out of uni. Yes. Uh, great. Now we can move on to Pamela Anderson's book and her mess of a life. Yes. Okay, guys. So what do you want to start with? So next week, next Tuesday, the Pamela Anderson documentary comes out and the Pamela Anderson book comes out. I want to do both of them. Do you want to do the documentary first or the book first? We'll cover one next week and then the following two weeks. I think we'll do the the Pamela Anderson book in two parts, maybe three parts. I don't know. How much can you guys actually read? Their paranoid sad thing is that no one really cares about them. No, the sad thing is that people do really care about them and they like will fight so hard for them. And I'm just like, yo, homie. Oh, my God. I was just looking at your Instagram post. Good thing I checked back in YouTube. Her face was on the side of the bus, for goodness sake. Imagine being under 25 years old and putting up with that. Yeah. Can I cheat and watch the TV show? Um, I mean, the TV show, I think the whole point was she's trying to debunk what the TV show said about her life. She's claiming it now. This is her story, Pamela Anderson. This is my story. The Hulu show was not about, you know, it was not the truth in my life. So here's my Netflix documentary and here's my book that tells my story. And she says she did not have a ghostwriter. She wrote it all herself and this was all her. So there you go. I think this is a book club, but we can talk about the Playboy murders. We talked about the Playboy murders. We covered them, Debbie. Um, we covered Holly Madison's book. 
down the rabbit hole, and then we did an episode dedicated to the entire Playboy Murders series. We broke down all of that. So that is on the YouTube. I don't think that ended up on the podcast, but it definitely is on the YouTube channel. Netflix doc, I just signed back up. Yes. Okay, so let's start with the Netflix doc. And maybe the first few chapters from Pamela's book, it's always hard because the... um, It's always hard because... Um, shit, sorry, I got a text message <laughs> that distracted me. Um, oh, it's always hard because the book comes out on Tuesday, and that was how it was with Prince Harry. The book came out Tuesday two weeks ago, so I had to get through part one, and that's why I wasn't able to get through all of part one is because I just got the book that morning um, and had to get through as much, and had to get through the full part one, and I didn't realize how many chapters and how long the book was. And it is long, long, long time. Okay. So boom. Why the royal family is so trash. You never hear other royals acting this way. I feel like the other royals have acted this way in this trashy, trashy, trashy way. But okay. So the next Tuesday, we'll recap the Pamela Anderson documentary and we'll recap the first few chapters of the Pamela Anderson book. I don't know how many chapters it's going to be total. I don't think I will know until Tuesday. So just know, I don't know, we'll maybe say like the first three, four, five chapters, five at most. But we'll definitely recap the documentary. Um, ooh, got it. Well, I'm open to anything. Yes, I'm open to anything too. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap. We are just at the one minute mark. Um, I will upload this onto the podcast tomorrow. Yep, we're recording. Okay, sweet. So this will be available on the podcast. If you missed any part of it, you'll get the full the full thing. What about the origin story mystery of the Chippendales? Oh, interesting. I have not thought about that. Will Harry be at the coronation? Great question. Probably not. I would imagine Harry's not going to be at the coronation. Okay. Thank you, guys. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. I will talk to you all soon. Thank you for all the love that you've shown me and to me, familia. I posted a video on my on my Instagram account at Just Plain Zach that shows our trip for Mexico and is very, very um, sweet. So I love you. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you all very soon. I will talk to you all Thursday. We'll be live again on Thursday. So there you go. Period. Da. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs>